0: Welcome to the Digital Masters Growth Marketing Podcast for professional service providers, agencies, and consultants. We're going to be talking innovative strategy, tactics, and the tech tools that marketers are using in the trenches today. Made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let's get into it. Hey, Bill, nice to have you on the show today. It's great to be here, Stephen. Yeah, I think uh, it's, um, it's great to have run across you on LinkedIn. Uh, I've met a lot of great people on LinkedIn recently, and uh when i came across your profile you immediately stood out to me because uh i mean amongst all the people on linkedin there's there's so many people that are offering the same types of things uh, and you really stood out as someone that has a really niche service and uh you know you 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 focus on thought leadership and you have deep expertise in helping those with deep expertise
1: yeah and so It's a little bit meta to be doing thought leadership work on thought leadership, but the way that (laughs) I think about thought leadership is, how do you take an idea to scale? Whether you're an expert in your field working within an organization, you're a CEO of an organization, or you're an external expert and you're trying to do consulting into organizations. Ideas are often what power opportunities, they drive business, they deepen relationships, they help us see around into the future to either see an opportunity or risk, but we need to know how to communicate them. And that's thought leadership. So is that is that how you help people? Is like
0: you really help them articulate the idea? So
1: it's part of what we do. Um, we work with clients that have either been in the field of thought leadership and sometimes they're saying, hey, I've fallen into this accidentally. Because one of the things that's true is no one went to college and said, I'm gonna get a major in thought leadership, right? And that's gonna be my career track after I graduate. And so for a lot of people, whether they're working inside a big organization or they're doing it on their own, it's often the second or third act. Sometimes they're using it and using thought leadership to fill the sales pipeline. Other t- and you know get their name out there or get their reputation out there. Other times they're trying to do it almost in an evangelist way. They've been working in the field for a long time and they're saying, guys, there's a better way. Let's look at it this way because nobody's talking about it, right? And sometimes it's influencing how people think and act. And sometimes that's work by public policy, working with governments and NGOs, you know, media influencers. There's a whole lot of different people, but it's getting an idea to a target audience rather than trying to be relevant to everyone. You accept 99.99% of the world isn't going to care about what you say and do. So how do you become really deeply relevant to that 0.1% that does care? Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, definitely. And
0: what what I thought was interesting about you know, when I first ran into you and we, we even had a conversation on Friday before this call. And I've, I've watched a couple of your posts on your couple of your videos already. And what I thought was cool about just running into you and having just a little exposure is I've already been able to articulate what I'm doing uh, for my clients and for my service better. Um, number one, just because I, I've always kind of thought of myself as a thought leader. Um, myself, just kind of from my background, um, but I just I never I never kind of took the leap to just like you know plant the the flag and, and just like say that. Um but it's also um just like in terms of like the way you were explaining like how you actually even craft an idea or how you come up with the idea, you almost have a framework of explaining how to think about the the idea that you're you're building. So you've got those four pillars. Explain a little bit about those so we can... Yeah,
1: so when you and I had a conversation on this last week, um, the framework that I use is a, a lot of people get hung up with where do ideas come from? What do I say? How do I get started communicating ideas, right? And there's this sort of myth that it happens, you know, in this strange esoteric way. Nobody knows quite where ideas come from. But there are ways that you can harness to build ideas out and take them out into the world. And the four that you alluded to, I call forge, sharpen, weld, and transport. There's a bit of a metalworking metaphor there. And you want me to sort of dive through them? Yeah, please, please. Okay. Yeah. So let's start with the first one, forge. It, it's probably the one that most people think about when they think about creating an idea. You go off, you mine out the raw ore of an idea, you put it in the fire, and then you put it on the anvil and you're hammering away at it, refining it and beating it, sort of like a blacksmith at a forge, until that idea is turned into something, the, and you've created a thing out of raw ore. So, like right. an like an original. Doc. Yeah, truly original that no one has ever thought of before. That's the one and we all we all want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the one that we all want. But I describe that as a little bit of the myth of the Smith because it's one of the hardest to do because there are really few truly new ideas out there. And one of the things that happens is if you ask an If you ask someone who runs into an idea for the first time, they're like, wow, I don't know where that came from. But if you ask the person who originated it, they can often point to the things that inspired them, the things that they read, the other experts that they know, et cetera. So the closer you get to the idea, the more you're aware that it really wasn't you went out mining and extracted the ore from the ground, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I've had those experiences too, where I
0: thought I had something original and I was explaining it to somebody. And they're like, Oh, that I, I heard that from, and I was like, I could almost like connect a dot sometimes myself. Like, I think sometimes we even forget where we, like, we, we come up with some of this stuff.
1: Yeah. We're in this constant sea of ideas, right? We're scrolling through LinkedIn feeds. We're reading things online and offline. There's a constant flow of ideas, right? So that first one forge it's possible, but it's rare and it's okay to accept it's rare because the other three are very, very useful. Let's talk about the second one. Sharpen is when you take an existing idea in your field, something that others have been talking about, and you put a new edge on it. Maybe it's a new way to use the idea or a little bit different perspective. And so it's like taking the knife out of the drawer, running against a sharpening edge, and suddenly you've got a little bit better tool Most of ideation happens on that refinement and sharpening where you take and you look at what are the existing tools? Let's use them in a new way. Let's use it for a different application and that's sharpen. And that's where I would say 60 to 70% of ideation really lives. Cool. And then, and then. Weld. Yeah. Yeah. So Weld is kind of cool because Weld works well if you're someone who's curious and you explore different fields and you read things that are outside of your profession or you talk to people that have different points of view. Weld happens when you take ideas from two worlds and you bring them together. So it might be your profession and another profession. So let's say you're in marketing and you're having a great conversation with someone who's in agile, the agile software movement. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're having a great conversation with an agilist and all of a sudden you realize there's something cool, a tool, a process that you could put together with a concept from marketing. And when you put the two next to each other side by side, it's like welding them together, running that weld bead along the seam and the insight happens at the scene where ideas from two worlds butt against each other.
0: Yeah, and I I think this is probably for me, like probably with a little bit of sharpen as well, um, just kind of sharpening things. But I think when I look, when I seriously look at my past, I think this is where a lot of my ideas have kind of come from. It's like, cause I have, I'm not a generalist, but I do have a lot of interest in different things. So like my background is in building technology, but I've been studying marketing quite a bit. and sales and all that stuff and I've built a business so I have all these different things kind of in my tool chest and then you know I started to realize that you can kind of start to put all these things together and then like with all the new internet marketing and like doing video and all this stuff there's just all these different ideas that you can kind of weld back together to kind of put something together for somebody else to take advantage of
1: exactly and with thought leadership you can use that time where you're going and you're exploring different fields to see, okay, how am I going to connect these? What am I... You're not just reading for the sake of luxury. You're really looking for new information to make those connections, right? So you can justify your intellectual curiosity if you want, right? Cool, and then, then yeah, transport? Yeah, transport. That one is similar to Weld, But you're taking an idea that's in another field and is commonplace, and you're bringing it into a new world. So a place where that idea hasn't touched before, and you say, okay, this is a cool idea that's used very commonly. Maybe it's a uh, professional theater technique, and you're bringing it into marketing, for example. And you're bringing something from one world into a world that it wouldn't have necessarily encountered. You're not doing much adaptation. You're not doing the welding of A plus B. You're just saying, hey, I found this cool idea over here. Let's incorporate it to what we do. And that creates a lot of freedom as well, because then you can look in unexpected places.
0: Right. Yeah, I think that's another thing that I'm I'm kind of seeing, like, after I I watched this or after I saw that video, then I started thinking that that's another thing that I've been doing as well is, like, because what I feel like is like, and, and, and to, just to prove your point, it's like agile and, um, you know, in startups, they're, they adopt a lot of these newer ideas. So like agile Mm -hmm. and content marketing and, and a lot of these things, and they deploy it kind of a little bit more commonplace, but it's where, it's some of the old traditional like businesses where they really haven't, they really haven't really like gone into that world. Um, and so that's another thing that I've, I've, I think I've been trying to do is like just, just show some of these other people that are in some of these more traditional businesses like what's going on. And uh, even that is exciting because th- they're appreciative just to hear about those other things that are happening.
1: Well, and with transport, there's another way that you can play it. You may know something that's commonplace in your profession, but if you step out of your usual world and you go to another audience, someone that doesn't talk about what you usually talk about. All of a sudden, you become a deep expert right. just by talking about what you know and what is standard, state of the art within your field, right? Right, right. Although one one
0: challenge though that I, I would say that that I uncovered in that thing is that in that process is so, uh, you know, if I if I look a year back when I first started talking about some of these ideas with, with people that, were, um, that hadn't been exposed to some of these ideas, I would say like the original excitement was just sharing the idea. And so I would, get, you know, I would we would have lunch and we would get very excited or they would get very excited and I would be too because I was interested in it. Um, but it was, it was more just excitement. There, there has to be some sort of mechanism that allows them to, it's like one thing to turn the light bulb on but then the next thing is like, okay, how do you actually start to walk them through this process and uh, ac- allow them to actually utilize it? Um, and so that's, that's kind of what I was going to get to next is like, so what I noticed from you is like, you kind of developed a framework for thinking about how to develop the idea. Mm-hmm. So, so once you help someone kind of develop the idea, like how, how do you help someone actually create a framework to then help somebody with this new Yeah. It's like, do you have a framework for helping people create frameworks? Yeah.
1: So (laughs) yes. And let's start with the the concept that thought leadership is one that a lot of people struggle to define. And I've heard definitions from people who aren't practitioners of, oh, thought leadership and content marketing, they're basically the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. One's a fancy word of the other, or thought leadership is your smartest content marketing, Or probably the worst definition I've heard is thought leadership is what thought leaders do. And I'm like, yeah, how do I become better or more effective at that with that definition? So let's start with the definition of what thought leadership is, and then I'll share the framework. So the way that I think about thought leadership is it's a process of peering around corners into the future to look for risks or opportunities that you can then bring back to an audience and you can share those insights with them, that they understand what's either at risk or what the potential for growth is. And they understand what steps they need to take today. So thought leadership isn't just sitting off in a cabin in the woods, thinking great thoughts, writing your, your memoirs and that. It's really the process of not only looking forward but engaging in conversations with a specific community today. Mm. And so when I think about thought leadership, I break it down into four elements. The first is the idea. You need to have an idea. That's the insight that you peer around the corner into the future and you've got something that's worth coming back to bring to other people that's worth their time. Typically, ideas are pretty simple. It's a sentence or two at most. If you're going more than a paragraph or a quick sketch on a napkin, your idea is still too complex, right? Good ideas at their heart are really simple, okay? Then the second element in thought leadership is content. And I use content different than content marketing. Content here are the stories, the examples, the data that bring the idea to life, so you and I could be talking from a marketing perspective and we could be using those examples. But if we were talking to an engineering audience, we would use different examples than we would use for a marketing audience, right? right? The idea might be true in both cases. You just use different stories and data points and examples to bring it to life, right? The third element in thought leadership is your offerings. How are you going to take these ideas out into the world? And so an offering could be something that you're selling specifically and directly monetizing. It could be that e-learning course or, you know, tutorial or what a workshop or keynote speech, or it could be think of an offering as a post on LinkedIn or a short form video or that blog or a podcast episode. All of those are offerings. You're, cr- you're creating something, putting it out into the world and you're asking your audience to invest in it, whether they're time or dollars. Yeah. So when you think of content, that's a step before the, like
0: the content marketing, Exactly. the content is, so let me, let me understand. So the idea is what, just to grab their interest and then the content turns the light bulb on and and bring and like really brings it to life, cements it into somebody's like, so they can really grasp it and like what envision themselves in, in the, taking advantage
1: of this or avoiding that risk? So let me give an example of that, right? And let's use one that's fairly common that people might know. So Stephen Covey, senior, who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, right? Okay, an idea is as simple as articulated as, there are seven habits that highly effective people share. Okay, that's kind of interesting tell me more. When you go from to tell me more, you're going into content. Well, what are those seven habits? Can you give me examples? Are there stories of how those manifest, right? And those are all the things that you bring the idea to life because you could list the seven habits, but that doesn't get someone too far, right? The offering could be a book. It could be an article. It could be a podcast. The offering is the container that the content lives in. And you can take the content and put it in many different containers, I different offerings right and that's why I think broader than content and content marketing, because there's so many different modalities you can put content out in
0: yeah, and that's probably the challenge that a lot of people have is like once they have this idea um, and and i want to I want to get to that but so then but we also talked about like. the the steps, right? So it's, it's the, it's the idea, then the, um, then the story, then the stories. And then how do you, do you help people like think through the framework? Like how do you help them develop the framework that they're going to, that they're going to use to teach this?
1: So we have organizations and clients that come to us and sometimes they've got a clear platform and that's the fourth of the elements. They know what topic they want to talk about. They have their, stage that they want to put the ideas on. So a platform is the stage you put your ideas. And it's sort of different than personal branding. Personal branding or corporate branding puts the company or it puts you on stage in the spotlight. A platform puts the idea on stage, right? And some of our clients come to us and say, this is my lane. I talk about, um, well, let's see, an aspect of leadership. So emerging leaders, that's a focus for me. Or I'm working with people that are setting policy for an aging community, right? And focusing on doing better for people as they're living, earning and learning longer, right? And so they know who they are and what they're trying to communicate. Then the next question is, okay, do you have this documented? Have you sharpened your ideas well enough that you can sit down, share them with someone? And they go, oh, I get it. Versus, you know, you have a nice long conversation with them, but they don't know what to do. So it's a process of sparring and refining until you have those ideas documented. And then it's taking them out of the world, often through narrow casting. Which, Wait,
0: what's that? What's narrowcasting?
1: Yeah. So we're used to broadcast, right? Which is you throw it out there and you hope someone pays attention and notices. Narrowcasting is recognizing, like I said, that less than 1% of the world's going to care about what you do, whatever you do, right? Right. And you put content out to them with the intent that it sounds like you're talking to them personally, as if they're the ones in the room, and you're speaking to them. So narrowcasting on LinkedIn, you've run into my stuff, right? I talk about thought leadership on LinkedIn, and I know that the vast majority of people going on LinkedIn aren't interested in what I have to say. I'm speaking mostly to folks who are heads of thought leadership or executives who are responsible for a thought leadership function in an organization. And Just
0: just to challenge that though, not that this is the main point, but I don't know, I talk to a lot of people that want to be thought leaders. Or, or maybe, maybe it's a different definition of the way you think about it, but a lot of them um, see themselves as thought leaders. They've been in business a long time and they,
1: they kind of, they see themselves as entrepreneurs, thought leaders, all that kind of stuff. Well, and, that, and that's a fair point, right? Um, and there's different sort of levels of thought leadership. So you could be an attorney, practicing in town. You could be a plastic surgeon, et cetera. And you use thought leadership in your community to drive business and engage that market. So people know about you, right? It's a different marketing technique than just putting up a billboard in town, right?
0: right? And and actually, let's talk about that a little bit. Like, okay, uh, yeah, cool. Yeah. How do you, how do you help someone think that through? Like, it's just, they, they may have a, um, Ultimately, they may be providing some sort of service, like we could use a lawyer for for this example. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're they're producing a specific service for people that that many other lawyers may actually provide the same stuff. Maybe they have some sort of niche, but how do you then start to help them think through, okay, let's develop some sort of idea and then use that to drive business?
1: Yeah, so there's two pieces of that. One is figuring out the idea of what are you gonna say and why would anyone listen to you? And that's true whether you're the local architect, lawyer, or dentist all the way up to you're a Fortune 50 company going into a new market, right? That that holds true. You've gotta answer the question, why is this worth your audience's time? And you need to know who your audience is you need to be able to drill down and say, yeah, these people look for information in the following places. Here are the questions that keep them up at night. Here are the conversations they're already having. Because thought leadership used to be that you could write a book, you could do a keynote, you could go on the speaking circuit, that sort of thing. And there was sort of a well-defined path, New York Times bestseller, et cetera, right? Now in the age of social media, it's very different. And even in the age of COVID, it's Mm. even more different, right? So you have to find where your audience is and then engage in a conversation. It's not one-way communication anymore. It's two-way communication. Because if you're only talking about the things you want to talk about, you're monologuing. You Mm. need to find where people are talking about topics that you care about and be willing to respond to them or say, hey, that's a good idea. Let's elevate that, right? So- So it's kind of like building a community in a way. Like- it, absolutely. Thought leadership and community building have increasingly come together. And it's it's a format. I You could argue that thought leadership is a tool in a community strategy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of like- you know, talking about
0: going back to the, the weld and all that stuff, that's kind of what I've been trying to pull together uh, is like this thought, like, so I've been trying to think about like how to use thought leadership to help somebody grow their business some uh, somebody mm-hmm. that has, a, has a more traditional business. And essentially what I've been trying to weld together is, you know, being able to, being able to be a, like a, an engaging content creator. Like you can go on video, you can, you can tell a story, you can, you can articulate an idea and then you're also a community builder. So you mm-hmm. you learn how to bring people together and engage with them, um, and then also like you learn how to like uh, you know do some media production and you learn how to do some post production to make your you know like like in your video it's like you have you had the little logo in the right,
1: yep. and
0: you had the the header and you had the the captions so you were mixing in a little bit of marketing skill,
1: absolutely and. Yeah. You don't have to make it so that it's studio quality right, for yeah. audio video anymore. And at this point, a little bit of post work, you know, for cleaning up the audio, putting a logo on, or having an outro graphic, those are the little things that make it feel finished. But one of the wonderful things that I love about LinkedIn, for example, is as you're developing the idea and you ask this question, you can use LinkedIn as a place where you can test ideas put them out to different groups and see where to, which ones get attraction. Right. Try saying it in different ways. And some people will light up, like you said, hey, that article on the four ways ideas come up, that resonated with me. That happens to be an article that did get a lot of traction, right? And so I'm constantly putting out different things that I've scribbled in Moleskine notes over the years or frameworks that I've used with clients. I'm now putting that content out and I'm seeing what resonates, right? Because sometimes people think, oh, I write the book and that's my first step in thought leadership. I'd flip that and I'd say the book or the keynote speech, that's almost the capstone. You want to do minimum viable thought leadership. And mm-hmm. you talked about ri- borrowing from the entrepreneurial space. Right, Instead right. of MVP, of, I use MVTL, right? Minimum right, yeah. viable thought leadership. And yeah, so what's the that. smallest <laughs> nugget of an idea you can put out there get people to respond to it or, or not respond to it because that alone is useful information and don't waste a year developing an idea if everybody sort of shrugs and says, eh, don't care. Yeah, and that's probably, that's probably. and you tell me if this is true, but that's probably one of the
0: hardest things that, that you always have to push back on people because I come from technology, so, and I'm also an engineer. So I've made the mistake of building some big thing that took me a long time and
1: nobody, nobody wanted it. Oh, it's brutal, it's bloatware, right? You know, it sits there and it's on the shelf and nobody uses it. And you're like, but it's brilliant. Yeah. And and, and
0: that, I guess that's the important thing too. Like, so it, and, and tell me if I'm right on this, but if you're using thought leadership to, uh, to help drive sales at your business, it, mm-hmm. you might not necessarily be pushing around an idea that is specifically tied to your service, right? It might be something right. a little bit broader that just draws attention to your expertise and now people are in your circle, you're interacting with them, uh, you're building that community, you're, you're providing some value to them. And so by, by proxy, or I, I don't know if that's the right word, then they see that you have these services and then they, they buy them.
1: So let me give you an example from a large scale enterprise client, because it's a really relevant example here. Sometimes you can use thought leadership when you're trying to fill the sales pipeline this month, this quarter. Content marketing is also really good for filling that pipeline in short form, but thought leadership allows you to look out further on the horizon and you can engage in conversations when it would be awkward or inappropriate to have a sales conversation,
0: right? Oh, I see. see. Yeah. So it's like, it's a way to have a conversation.
1: Yeah, exactly. So imagine you're doing, and I've got an organization in mind, they do, and are, they do B2B sales for the mining and manufacturing industry, right? So they're doing big ticket items that have a long sales cycle and that go by RFP, okay? And they know they have 150, 200 people in the world who sign off on that decision because it's tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars of investment. And those people aren't saying, hey, let's do this buying decision This month, next month, and the month following, right? Those are big decisions that happen on a stretched out basis of time. You can't send your salespeople in to ask them each month, Are you sending out a proposed RFP? Are you sending out an RFP? Eventually they'll ignore your emails or stop taking your calls, right? Right, right. If you have thought leadership, something that's interesting to them that you can talk about and say, hey, I've been looking into the future. I've looked and seen around the corner. Here's a risk or an opportunity. You might be interested. They're going to take your call and you build rapport and relationship so that when the time comes for a proposal, you get invited to the dance. And if that's true for big ticket items, it's also true in smaller B2B and B2C as well. Yeah.
0: And I, I kind of had this aha moment yesterday. I was talking to, I I was really just reaching out to somebody to get feedback. And every once in a while you run into these conversations where the person just gives you like really cool feedback. Anyways, I was talking to him about my service and getting some feedback from him. And he kind of gave me this insight that, that most of the people, at least from his point of view, um, most of the people that would be interested in the service that I was talking about, they're going to be like, they're going to be entrepreneurs themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, they're not gonna just be like typical practitioners that just, they're an accountant and they like doing accounting and they just are pretty okay with that. They're gonna be entrepreneurs that have a growth mindset. And then, then, and then he does all these types of webinars as well. And so it kind of dawned on me, I was like, oh, that's interesting. It's like, I could have a whole entrepreneurial, like angle on my service as the thought leadership in terms of like growth mindset and like just, just like supporting entrepreneurs in general and that, well, could be, that could be broader than what I'm actually trying to sell.
1: Well, and who you're trying to reach, and this is where I make a little bit of distinction. So we're used to thinking from a marketing perspective that there are target marketing avatars, groups that you're trying to reach to sell. Often your thought leadership avatars that you're trying to reach are a broader population than your buyers okay? Yeah. So you might be trying to use thought leadership to influence media. So for example, if you have a good idea, it makes it much easier to pitch a story or be cited as a source if you've demonstrated thought leadership, right? Uh, You could be working with influencers, public policymakers. You often have a broader collection than people you're trying to sell to for thought leadership. And so If you're clear about those avatars and if you know who you're trying to serve, it's interesting. People start contacting you and say, it's very common in thought leadership for this to happen. Someone reaches out to an individual, an organization and says, I've been following your work for quite a while now and I know what you do and I think this is the right time for me to engage you, right? Now, that takes a long tail. You can't do three podcasts or one blog and think that that's gonna happen. But if you do it consistently over a period of time, then you get those folks who follow and they reach out to you. And it's fantastic because that deal is 90% closed before you even pick up the phone and you don't know who they are when you're answering the email. You're like, oh, you've been following me? That's yeah. fantastic,
0: right? Yeah, no, Yeah, and that's also a cool thing about video too is that
1: they, they've been following you and then they also think they, they feel like they already know you. And they'll often quote back things that you've said and it's not uncommon. They go, oh, I've consumed, you know, and devoured your podcast recently. And you said this and this, and this really resonated with me. And they're telling you why. And so instead of you pitching them, they're telling you why they're excited. That's right. such a different sale. Yeah, that is interesting. And so on that note, like you said
0: this in another one of your videos, you talked about how thought leadership can be kind of a long tail effort. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of the ways to accelerate it, you know, like in terms of, because I mean, marketing has that potential, um, especially if you get good at distribution. So like, what are some of the ways that you, that you help people, you know, market these ideas?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that you want to think about is when you're creating content, create content that's most of it is, has to be evergreen. Okay. So you don't wanna to be too topical, responding to the news or an issue. You wanna create as much content as you can that will have a long tail and life cycle. Yeah, three to five years later, it might feel dated, especially if you're talking about technology or something, but have that, have that evergreen mindset when you're creating content. And then second, um, and I'll use an example of a book, but a lot of people write the book and then the publisher says, okay, we're gonna go out on book tour and there's a big splash in the market for 60, 90 days after book launch, right? The publisher then looks at the book and says, okay, that's like last week's fish, right? They wanna know what book number two is going to be. You have to think about your content and be willing to repurpose it into many different formats. So you break that book down, you turn it into tweets and articles and, you know, short form video and repurpose, 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 and don't assume that just because you posted something once on LinkedIn, everyone that you want to reach with that idea has seen it. Right. Not only because of the algorithm, but we're all busy and we're not sitting eyes glued to LinkedIn. Yeah.
0: That's one thing I, I in terms of specifically the, the people that make books, where I feel like they don't really take advantage of all of that content that they made. Like, I'll see this especially. They will, um, and this is kind of the thing that I, I get excited about. Is like, there's so many different creative ways of repurposing content. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you'll see somebody post on their on their on their LinkedIn. It'll just be a picture of their book, and it's like, hey, I, I launched a book. And then, and I'm like, do you actually? Sometimes those get a really good reaction because people are supportive. They're like, yeah, you. Great, but then when they keep posting that same kind of thing, the attention dies down. When they could be like taking a picture of a page and like doing a highlight on it, or just like you know taking a couple sentences here and there, or yeah, you know, like you said, making a video. It, it seems like there's so many creative ways of actually
1: just exactly using, yeah exactly. And with that, and the book is one example. You might have a white paper, or um, I know in manufacturing there are firms that treat their uh, CAD models as if they're thought leadership and they use it that way to deepen the relationship with, with clients and partners. Right. And they use their design documents basically as thought leadership, which is fantastic. Right. So with a book, you just don't want to put it out there. It's again, the difference between one way conversation where you're talking at people and communicating there are ways to respond and engage with pe- what people are talking about and make a relevant point from what your perspective is. Now, you don't want to be the person who's always citing yourself in every comment, and, but there are ways to bring in insights that you have that are relevant. Don't just do a Me Too comment or a post on LinkedIn or wherever you're communicating. Bring the value that you have the insights that you have into the conversation and recognize that things that may seem older or passe to you are actually quite fresh to other people because you've been thinking about something for years. Guess what? This may be the first time someone's hearing it. Yeah, that's actually,
0: I would say that's probably one of my biggest challenges because I, it's hard for me to stay interested in something uh, for a long period of time so i'll i'll devour something learn it and kind of move on to the next thing and i'll even notice that with like the group i put together um i'll say something that i think is so cool but like they're they're really just kind of focused on some of these other things uh that take a while to master and they took me a while to master too so i don't Mm -hmm. know i don't know why i i forget that but um I think that that's a, that's a general problem in marketing in, it, in itself, I think. It's like you're always caught up in your own head and you're not, you're not really cognizant of what people are actually thinking about or care about.
1: Thought leadership and marketing are actually pretty similar that way because we're often living in the future and trying to bring people into that future. But we have to remember where people stand today and make those first steps from today into the future seem reasonable because if we're telling them about, you know, a grand future down the, down the line, that may not seem obtainable or realistic to them. It's how do you get there? It's one foot in front of the other. Right. And so what I often coach people is when you're doing thought leadership, you'll talk about the basics, the baby steps, the first things over and over again. And you have to that's why, for finding thought leadership, you have to find an idea that you're passionate about. Because if you're talking about the 101 stuff all the time and you don't love it, you're going to be flat. You're not going to have any energy. And people are going to go, really? He doesn't care about this. Why should I? Right. right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You know, I, sometimes,
0: like for me, I think the, the, uh, the trick that I have around that is that I enjoy helping people. I enjoy yep. explaining to things. So even though I might be, I might get a little tired of talking about something. If I'm, if I'm actually engaged with somebody and I'm helping them think it through, then it's exciting again for me. So that's, that's how I personally get around that um, so that I can stay. But the, the the trick for me though, is to make sure that I'm always finding those people to talk to about it. Otherwise I could find myself in a kind of an odd situation.
1: Well, and let's use the example a little bit further. So if you have a child and you're teaching your child addition, you go through that period where you're teaching them two plus two equals four, but they eventually get it, right? It takes a different sort of mindset to be a teacher that is teaching that skill to students year after year and be willing to embrace that you're teaching the fundamentals while you may you know, have degrees in mathematics, et cetera, and wish that you could be teaching much more advanced stuff, you spend a lot of time teaching the basics. And that's the same as if you think of college. Most professors spend a lot of time teaching the 101 courses when, you know, their research is very fine and detailed, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to be comfortable teaching the basics. Yeah, that's interesting. I I didn't really uh, think about it that way. Well, it's
0: funny, you keep, you keep telling me stuff that crystallizes thoughts that i've had but i've never articulated and
1: that's fun
0: yeah no yeah i mean because i've had that thought a bunch of times like i've had a bunch of friends that were super smart uh but they were um they were you know teaching a course and i just i I would always just be curious is like are they fulfilled i mean i know they were because they they seem very happy but i was always like man are they happy doing the same things over and over again um but i mean it, it just goes to your point it's like you have to be you have to find something that's interesting about that. Whether it's
1: you, you just love teaching or, um, you're an evangelist. You want to change the world. You're using it to fill the sales pipeline. There's a many different ways you can do that, but you've got to connect that back to the, why you're doing it.
0: That's what I was going to say. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. and, And that's something I have to think about a lot too, is like, I, like I've been a service provider my whole life and, um, growing my previous business, it was always like a referral, uh, kind of networking kind of thing. Um, I mean, I, I was doing thought leadership in terms of blogs and that would bring in business as well, but that's ultimately why I started going into what I was doing or doing now is like, I was like, man, there's all these professionals out there that want to grow their business, but it's like their, their, their understanding of some of these new things that are available to them is just almost non-existent. And so like, just with some basic knowledge, you can like, you, you can change. Um, I mean, there's a lot of work to be done in some of the things that I talk about, um, especially because, like you said, like thought leadership is a long tail sometimes. So you can't just like expect this to just um, change overnight.
1: But you have to be prepared to do it hundreds of times for it to stick. And it's not on iteration number one, or number 10, of something that you do, but it pays off the 50th, the hundredth, the 500th time that you do something. And
0: that's why I think that what I'm trying to do is better suited for the entrepreneur, because I think some people wouldn't have the, the, the vision and the, you know, the commitment to to do some of that stuff because it's just like some of their, their existing behavior to get business is already just like the pathways are there. They, yep. they know, they know they can, they know they've had some success doing the, And there's nothing wrong with the way they do they get business, obviously. But um, so you kind of have to fight a lot, a lot of different things, unless they have a growth mindset in a way.
1: Yeah, that is that is something that's essential and is almost a prerequisite too in a thought leadership perspective. You've got to be curious, whether it's finding new ways to relate your ideas to other people or understanding how to reach your audience more effectively or try new technology and new platforms as they come out in terms of, hey, there's this new tool out, let's try this. Can we reach people in a new way? And so- Cause you're bound to fail, right? Like, Oh yeah. yeah, you have to embrace failure and going back to technology and agile. You also have to learn how to love your critic, right? So when you put an idea out there, a lot of people have this content insecurity where they're afraid mm. to put an idea out until it's perfect. And they say, yeah, I got an idea, but not yet, right? right My right. perspective is fail fast. Put it out there, put it out in draft form and see how people respond. And they'll tell you what they love or what they hate. Apathy is its own signal. If nobody responds to it, then it's either the idea itself or your framing or you're reaching the wrong audience. But critics who give you, tell you where you're wrong or what something you missed, it's criticism is a gift and you have to embrace it.
0: It is. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, um, yeah, it's one of those things that is hard, but at the same time, um, like even I've even do, you know, sent a few emails, you know, cold emails to people to kind of like ask them about stuff. Um, and sometimes people don't like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had a really interesting conversation with somebody that didn't like it. I, I didn't have any kind of defensive. Um, I didn't, I didn't get defensive at all. I just said, you know, give me a little bit of feedback on like how this, like why you didn't like that or, mm-hmm. and, and he gave me a, like a half page of information. So it was like, yeah, it, you know, the critics um, they
1: do provide a lot of, uh, of helpful information, but yeah, I mean, and it, it's one th- of the best ways for market intelligence too. Right. Yeah. So if you're saying, here's what I think the future is, or here's an insight that I see and people come back and they say, yeah, but that won't work because of that's great. That's, you getting a sharper vision of the future. Right, yeah, and you can roll that back into your product. Exactly. Like the,
0: the marketing and the, all the feedback is like, the, a lot of what you're talking about really is kind of
1: designing, like the idea is also a product in a way. Absolutely, and you can either monetize it directly or indirectly, right? But deals are done through relationships and because often and increasingly, Unless you're selling a commodity, which is a race to the bottom, lowest price possible, right? They're doing deals because they like how you think or the way that you approach something. That's a way to deepen a relationship with a client or customer that is hard to replicate, right? You can match a widget, but you can't match forethought in the same way. Yeah, that's interesting, man. Well, cool. Um, So,
0: um, I mean, we've talked a lot about like what you do, but like, you know, specifically like who, who is it that you help the most and like, what's the process you go through with them?
1: Yeah. So as I mentioned before, we help individuals and organizations take ideas to scale. And so you might be someone who's working on your own in thought leadership, right? And you're trying to sell your idea into organizations. You may be a mid sized business where you say, okay, we've got ideas, but we need to find ways for our salespeople to engage beyond just selling product, right? Or we need to open doors that our salespeople can't just by coming with a pitch sheet. So thought leadership works for individuals, organizations, all the way to Fortune 500. And the process we work with them is we typically start with a strategy. What is your idea? What are you trying to communicate? Whom are you trying to reach? And why should they care? You clarify that strategy and you get a sense of what, we talked about the four elements, what your ideas are, what's your platform, how you will be known, and your thought leadership will be known. What content do you have? What stories, examples, and data can you provide? As well as then what offerings are you gonna use, paid or unpaid? And how are you gonna go out into the world? We set that strategy. And then for some cases, we work with clients on implementing that strategy on a campaign basis or agency basis or building product around that. But it's really about helping folks, whether they're head of thought leadership at a big organization or an individual, take their idea to scale.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I can only imagine how well it works. Because just even just like I said, even just like chatting with you, um, I've had a lot more clarity in terms of just like how to describe
1: and think through um, what I'm doing. So that's awesome. So, how do people get a hold of you? So, you can reach me at uh, my company, Thought Leadership Leverage. And I also on LinkedIn use a personal hashtag, which is orgTL. I do short form video and podcast interviews of people who are doing thought leadership practitioner work. So, check it out. Reach out to me either on LinkedIn or shoot me an email be happy to chat cool man well i I really
0: appreciate you being on and i look forward to chatting with you in the future and uh getting to know you better
1: awesome thank you steven all right man i'll see you